Okay, so we will now proceed to simple loan or matuom. This is chapter 2 of credit transactions, part 4 of our discussion. So we have article 1953. A person who receives a loan of money or any other fungible thing acquires the ownership of the thing thereof. Okay, so if you receive a a loan for money or any other fungible thing acquires you acquire the ownership thereof and is bound to pay to the creditor an equal amount of the same kind and quality that's article 1953 so simple loan or mutuum defined simple loan is or mutuum is a contract whereby one of the parties one of the parties delivers no uh, to another money uh, to another money or other consumable thing with the understanding that the same amount of the same kind and the quality shall be paid it involves the return of the equivalent only and not the identical thing because the borrower acquires ownership thereof. A loan of money, however, may be payable in kind. Obligation of borrower is to pay. The law uses the word pay and not the word return because the consumption of the thing loan is the distinguishing character of the contract of loan from that of common datum. It is uh, the consumption of the thing no, that distinguish, this distinguishes mutuum from komodato. This obligation is to pay may include the accessory duty to pay interest. No, The promise of the borrower to pay is the consideration for the obligation of the lender to furnish the loan. A loan is thus a bilateral contract no, because it involves the responsibility between the two parties. So the promise of the borrower to pay is a consideration for the obligation of the lender to furnish the loan. Okay, so it's a bilateral contract. Okay, no criminal liability for failure to pay. In simple loan or mutuum contrasted to komandato, the borrower acquires ownership to the money, goods, personal property borrowed. Being the owner, the borrower can dispose, no, can dispose the thing borrowed, and his act will not be considered misappropriation thereof because he's now considered the owner. No estafa is committed by a person who refuses to pay his debt or denies its existence. So, uh Okay, so mas mayroon po di mo pautang. No, no. Estafa is committed by the person who refuses to pay his debt or denies its existence. Simple loan distinguished from contract of rent. A contract of rent differs materially from... Uh, a contract of loan differs materially from a contract of rent or lease. Ngano man. A contract of loan signifies the delivery of money or some other consumable thing to another with a promise to repay an equivalent amount of the same kind and quality, but not a promise to return the same thing loan, which becomes the property of the obliger. The contract of rent is a contract by which one of the parties delivers to another some non-consumable thing in order that the latter may use it during a certain period and return it to the former. In a contract of rent, the owner or lesser of the property does not lose his ownership. He simply loses his control over the property rented during the period of the contract. In a contract of loan, the relation between the parties is that of the obliger and the obligee. obligee no? So, which in contract of rent, the relation is that of the landlord and the tenant. So, if you look up the meaning of the word obliger, no? so for you to be more, uh, for you to visualize it better, the obliger is, of course, the one who has the obligation okay, to. The one who owes a legal obligation to another person. In the context of financial arrangements, an obliger is usually a debtor. You know, for example, a borrower 
who someone who has the given or someone who has given security or guarantee for payment. So the obliger basically is the one nga nangutang, no? So asa man siya nangutang, na siya legal responsibility to really repay it and he did it to the obligee. Okay? So he simply lost his control over the property rented over well in a contract of rent the relation is that of a landlord and a tenant. In a contract of loan, the creditor receives payment for his loan, while in a contract of rent, the owner of the property rented receives compensation or price either in money, provisions of chattels or labor from the occupant thereof in return for its use. A simple loan distinguished from trust receipt. Under the trust receipt law, trust receipt shall refer to the written or printed document signed by the entrustee in favor of the entrustor containing terms and conditions substantially complying with the provisions of the decree. It has also been defined as a document in which is expressed a security transaction where under the lender having no prior title into the goods in which the lien is to be given not having possession which remains in the borrower lends his money to the borrower on security of the goods which the borrower is privileged to sell clear of the lien or agreement to pay all part of the proceeds of the sale to the lender. Okay? So the danger in characteristing a simple loan as a trust receipt transaction was explained in a case to wit. The trust receipts law does not seek to enforce payment of loan. Rather, it punishes dishonesty. So on dishonesty, ang gitanawani. And the abuse of confidence in handling money or goods to the prejudice of another, regardless of whether the latter is the owner. Here it is crystal clear that on the part of the petitioners, there was neither dishonesty nor abuse of confidence in handing the money to the prejudice of BBC. Petitioners continually endeavored to meet their obligations as shown by several receipts issued by PBC acknowledging receipt on the loan. Also noteworthy is the fact that the petitioners are not importers acquiring goods for resale contrary to the express provision embodied in the trust receipt. They are contractors who obtain the fungible goods for their construction project. At no time did the title over the construction materials pass the back, but directly to the petitioners from CM Builder Center. This impresses upon the trust receipt, the question of vagueness and ambiguity, which should not be the basis for criminal prosecution in the event of violation of its provision. The practice of banks of making borrowers sign a trust receipt to facilitate collection of loans and place them under the threat of criminal prosecution should they unable to pay it uh, may be unjust and inequitable. It's not reprehensible if not reprehensible. Such agreements are contracts of adhesion which borrowers have no option but to sign lest their loan be disapproved. The resort to this scheme leaves poor and hapless borrowers at the mercy of the banks and is prone to misinterpretation. Okay, so what is trust receipt? Under the trust receipt law, a trust receipt shall refer to a written, so not a printed document, no? Signed by the entrustee in favor of the entrustor. So, ni signed siya, signed by the entrustee. Entrustee ang ni signed and um, in favor of the entrustor. Okay? Entrustor. Entrustor. So, in favor of the entrustor. Okay? So, unsa may may tabuan ni. Signed by the entrustee in favor of the uh, containing the terms and conditions substantially complying with the provisions of the decree. No? It has also been identified as a document which is an express security transaction where under the lender, so kinsamaning lender, no? having no prior title to the goods in which the lien is to be given and not having possession which remains in the borrower, lends his money 
to the borrower on security of the goods which the borrower is privileged to sell no so ibaligyan ni si borrower ang kanang mga goods niya at the lien uh, to set clear of the lien or an agreement to pay all part pay all or part of the proceeds of the sale to the lender so basically it's like kanaganing consignment no so that's really what happens in in a trust receipt okay so let's try to look at trust receipt okay a sample here para makuha na to Okay, so what is a trust receipt agreement? A trust receipt agreement is a legal document stating that the borrower ang nagpa- ang nanghuam of the funds has physical possession of a certain property. So siya magdaan na that is held in trust for the lender. Okay? Under this arrange- arrangement, the lender retains the title of the underlying assets until the borrower uh, pays back the designated debt of the lender. Okay? So kaning arrangement Ang lender, ang buwam, retains the title to the underlying assets until the borrower pays back. Makabayad na siya sa utang to the lender. Okay? So, that is a trust receipt. Okay? So, we can also look at example of trust receipt. No, situation good. A car dealer borrows funds under the trust receipt arrangement in order to purchase automobiles. from the manufacturer. So, once the dealer sells a car and uses the funds to pay off the lender, the lender shifts title to the dealer who in turn transfers title to the buyer of the vehicle. So, muna siya example sa trust receipt. For example, a car dealer, no? pawam siya funds under a trust receipt ar- arrangement in order to purchase the automobiles from the manufacturer. So, once the dealer sells a car and uses the funds to pay off the lender, The lender shifts the title to the dealer. No? So, ang dealer, maoy, ang, ang title na aniya, who in turn transfers the title to the buyer of the vehicle. So, siya ni mukuan, pero remember, he will only transfer if ma-okay ma na niya iyahang uh, responsibility. Okay, so that's the trust receipt. So, what is the benefit of the trust receipt? The trust receipt is a short-term loan granted in terms of expert documents with trading terms for the borrower to use as a working capital for manufacturing or resale and repay the bank with within the loan term agreement. Okay, so that's a trust receipt. Okay. So, so much with trust receipt, no? So, in Colinares, the debtor received goods subject of the trust receipt before the trust receipt itself was entered into. The transaction in question was a simple loan and not a trust receipt agreement. Prior to the date of execution of a trust receipt, ownership of the goods was already transferred to the debtor. This situation is inconsistent with that, with what normally obtains in a pure trust receipt transaction, wherein the goods belong to the ownership of the bank, Rosiasa. and are only released to the importer in the trust after the loan is granted. In consolidated bank, as in Colinares, the delivery to the respondent corporation of the goods subject to the trust receipt occurred be- long bef- uh, before the trust receipt itself was executed. Okay. Furthermore, the respondent was not an importer which acquired the banker fuel oil for resale. It needed the oil for its own operations. At no time did title over the, uh, over the outpass To the petitioner bank. Evidently, respondent corporation was required to sign the trust receipt simply to facilitate the collection 
by the petitioner on the loan it had extended to the former. Meaning of fungible things Fungible things are those which are usually dealt with by number, weight, or measure such as rice, oil, sugar, etc. so that any given unit or portion is treated as an equivalent of any other unit or portion. For example, one cavern of wagwag rice of a particular quality is to all intents and purposes the same as other portion of the same kind, quality, and quantity. Now, an illustrative case. Standing crops given a security for a loan money were destroyed due to the fortuitous event. B. Received money as a loan with interest from L. Secured by a chattel mortgage in standing crops and B's land. The crops were destroyed due to a fortuitous event. Is the obligation of B to pay the loan extinguished? Okay, the answer is no. The obligation of B is not to deliver a determinate thing, namely the crops to be harvested harvested on his land, but to pay a generic thing, the amount of money representing the loan with interest. The loss of the mortgage crops did not extinguish his obligation to pay because it could still be paid from other sources aside from the crops. The chattel mortgage simply stood as the security of the fulfillment of his obligation. Okay? So, the distinction between fungible and consumable things. Okay? So, uh, we, later on, we will try to distinguish. But, but let's also talk about the illustrative case. No? So, kanigong standing crops given a security for a loan of money were destroyed upon a fortuitous event. So, kaning facts gihatag na to is B receive a money as a loan so si B may nangutang with interest from L so L may nagpautang niya and there there is a chattel mortgage no on the standing crops so ang chattel niya is the standing crops no the crops on B's land no so this is found in in B's land so mo na yang gikuan gihimong uh, chattel the crops were destroyed due to the fortuitous event now the question is ang ang B is the obligation of B to pay the loan extinguished? Now, what bang obligation of B to pay L? No, the obligation of B is not to deliver a determinate thing. No, the crops to be harvested on his land, but to pay a generic thing. So, the amount of money representing the loan with interest. So, the loss of the mortgage crops did not extinguish his obligation to pay because it could still be paid from other sources aside from the crops. It could be money. No, the chattel mortgage simply stood as a security for the fulfillment of his obligation. So, distinction between fungible and consumable things. The new civil code classifies movable property into consumable or non-consumable. So, thereby discarding the old classification into fungible and non-fungible. So, ang fungible, mura gilisa na siya, um, gilisa na siya consumable and non-consumable. Okay, on natural obligations. However, still speaks of fungible things. This change of classification seems to be in the name only as the definition of fungible things as those which cannot be used without being consumed under the old civil code is precisely that of the consumable things. Nonetheless, whether a thing is consumable or not depends upon its nature and whether it is fungible or not depends on the intention of the parties. Thus, while wine is a consumable by its nature, it's not non-fungible if the intention is merely for display or exhibition because the same wine must be returned. Okay? So, depende sa imong paggamit. A contract whereby one person transfers the ownership of a non-fungible things to another with the obligation on the part of the latter to give things to the same kind quantity shall be considered barter. No. So, kanus adig ka mo consider barter? This is provided by Article 1954. 
So, kung nakikontract whereby, whereby one person transfers the ownership of a non-fungible, so dili siya makonsume ha, to another person with the obligation on the part of the latter to give things of the same kind quantity, mawao, same kind and quantity, then you are doing a barter. No? So, what is a barter? Okay, a barter is... Uh, so, mutuum and common datum distinguish from barter. By contract of barter exchange, one of the parties binds himself to give one thing in consideration another's promise to give another thing. The distinction between mutuum and barter lies on the subject matter. In the former, it is the money or any other fungible thing. No, In the latter, or non-fungible things. In common datum, the bailey is bound to return the identical thing borrowed from the time has experienced or the purpose has been served. In barter, the equivalent thing is given in return for what has been received. So, mutuum may be gratuitous and comodatum is always gratuitous. No? Ang mutuum may be gratuitous. Well, well, comodatum is always gratuitous and it is really a mutual sale. Okay, let's go to Article 1955. The obligation of a person who borrows money shall be governed by the provisions of uh, the provisions of articles 1249 and 1250 of this code. Okay, again, the obligation of a person who borrows money shall be governed by the provisions of articles 1249 and 1250 of this code. If what was loaned is a fungible thing other than money, the debtor owes another thing of the same kind, quantity, and quality, even if it should change in value. In case it is impossible to deliver the same kind, its value and the time of the perfection of the loan shall be paid. So remember, diba, equivalent man ang atong ganahan. But um, in case mo change ang value niya, no? in case it is impossible to deliver the same kind, its value at the time of perfection. So ang imong basis is at the time of perfection. So whatever was the value at the time of perfection should be the one that you should return. So, Dapat unta day wala interest no. <laughs> so form of payment. The object of simple loan may either be money or consumable or fungible thing. Okay, and this is the loan of money. If the thing loan is money, payment must be made in the currency stipulated. It is possible to deliver such currency. Otherwise, it's possible payable in the currency in which uh which is a legal tender in the Philippines. And in case of extraordinary inflation or deflation. The basis of payment shall be the value of the currency at the time of the creation of the obligations. Article 1250. Presently, all notes and coins issued by Banco Central in the Philippines are legal tender in the Philippines. For all debts, both public or private, a check is not a legal tender and therefore cannot constitute a valid tender of payment. Example, D borrowed from C. So D borrowed from C 5,000 pesos payable for 5 years on the maturity of the obligation the value of 5,000 dropped to 2,500 because of inflation in this case the basis of payment shall be the equivalent value of the currency today 5 today five years ago hence D is liable to pay C 10,000 pesos unless there is an agreement to the contrary okay so in this case the basis of payment shall be equivalent to the currency today 5 years ago so, D borrowed 5,000 payable for after 5 years. On the maturity of the obligation, the value of the 5,000 dropped to 25 because of inflation. In this case, the basis of payment shall be the equivalent value of the currency today, 5 years ago. 
uh, I'm not sure why it's 10,000. Anong 10,000 man? Okay. I think the words here provides that the obligation of the person who borrows shall be governed by the provisions of Article 1. If what was loaned is a fungible thing other than the monitor of the money, the debtor owes another thing of the same kind, quantity and quality, even it should change value. In case it's impossible to deliver the same kind, its value at the time of the perfection of the loan shall be paid. Okay. So, let's uh, read this part. No? Loan of money. If the thing loaned is money, payment must be made in the currency stipulated. It's impossible. If it's possible to deliver such currency, otherwise it is payable in the currency with the legal tender, the Philippines. In case of extraordinary inflation or deflation, the basis of the money shall be the value. As kung naasay, kung na inflation or deflation, the basis of the money shall be the value of the currency at the time of the creation of the obligations. Kanus asya create. So presently, all notes and coins issued by Banco Central for all debts, both public and private. A debt is not a legal tender, therefore cannot constitute a valid tender. So, CDM ni borrow 5,000 is C, payable after 5 years. On the maturity of the obligation, the value of the 5,000 dropped to 2,500 because of inflation. So, dapat unta 5,000 siya because at the time of the perfection of the contract, the value was 5,000. But the example here, in this case, the basis of payment shall be equivalent to the value of the currency five years ago but here it stated value of the currency today five years ago okay today and then five years ago maybe there's something wrong with the example hence D is liable to pay 10,000 unless there is an agreement to the contract we'll, we'll un- try to understand and that letter later better okay loan of fungible thing if what was loaned is a fungible thing other than the money, the borrower is under the obligation to pay the lender another thing of the same kind, quality, and quantity. In case it is impossible to do so, the borrower shall pay its value at the time of the perfection of the loan. So, again, uh, it's, it, it keeps on reiterating. Uh, there is a reiteration of the fact that its value at the time of the perfection of the loan. So, D borrowed from C two sacks of rice, a certain kind of quality. At the time the loan was perfected, the price of each sack was 400 pesos. Hopefully, the example is now correct. D should return to C2 sacks of rice of the same kind and quality, although at the time of the payment, the price has increased to 5,000. If on the due date of the obligation of the same kind, the rice could not be delivered by D because it's not available for some reason, D should pay the sum of 800 pesos instead. Because the value of the rice at the time the perfection of the loan. Okay. So here the price had increased to five hundred. You can say four hundred. Nahi mo na lang siya o. So, sa if on the due date the obligation the same kind of rice could not be delivered by D because it was not available for some reason then D should pay this uh, pay C the sum of 800 instead the value of the rice at the time the perfection of the loan okay 
So let's read Article 1249. The payment of debts in money shall be made in the currency stipulated, and if not possible, to the deliver uh, to deliver such currency then in the currency which legal tender in the Philippines. The delivery of the promissory notes payable to order or bills of exchange or other mercantile documents shall produce the effect of payment only when there has been have been cash or when and when through the fault of the creditor they have been impaired. In the meantime, the action derived from original obligation shall be held in abeyance. In Article 1.250, in case of extraordinary inflation, deflation of the currency stipulated should supervene. The value of the currency at the time of the establishment of the obligation shall be the basis of the payment unless there is agreement in the contrary. Okay? So, if D borrowed from C two sacks of rice, a two sacks money. Yes. So, it hundred na siya kay two sacks money. Okay? Sige. So, <laughs> there are two ta- sacks and the price of each is 400. Oh. So, bisan pa og ni-increase ang ang sacks niya, 500 na, you will not give them 1,000. You will just give them 800 pesos. Okay? How about the other one? No, uh, the maturity of the obligation after 5 years and the maturity obligation, the value was 5,000. So, kanidi ay, no, uh, borrowed from C siguro 5,000 payable after 5 years but there are 2, 5,000 siguro. Unya ang value sa 5,000 naga. Okay, so mo nang na 10,000 na siya. Okay? So I think it's clear, no? I because it's really contradictory because at the time the perfection of the obligation is the reckoning point. So whatever is the value of that particular uh, money, then that is or the value of the fungible thing, then that is your basis. Okay? So article 1956, no interest shall be due unless it has been expressed stipulated in writing so ang interest should be in writing should be in writing requisites for recovery of interest in order that the interest may be chargeable the following are the requisites so let's memorize this the payment of the interest must be expressly stipulated no expressly stipulated that's number one okay and then number two the agreement must be in writing writing it okay number three it's it must be lawful Okay, so swell, no? Swell, S W L, S W L. Okay, in order for you nga makapay kag interest, you should swell. Imong pa, di ba kung nai interest, imong ipaburutan sa so remember. Our mnemonic here is swell, no? It means it should be stipulated expressly. It should be. Okay, we'll continue. So, um, it's it should be expressly provided, no? So again, uh, these are the requirements for you to be able to collect interest. So first one, it should be expressly stipulated. Number two, it should be in writing, and number three, it should be lawful, no? So uh, as to legal basis, it should be in writing or it should be expressly stipulated. So you can look at Tan versus Valduheza. 66SCRA61 Jardinel versus Salas no? and the agreement must be in writing on Article 1956 and the interest must be lawful. See however note to Arts 1957 and 1961. In, in a case the promissory note stipulated in a late payment 
penalty of 2.5% monthly to be added to each unpaid installment until fully paid. Payment of interest are not expressly stipulated in the note. It should be deemed included in such penalty. Be that at this may, as it may, in the absence of stipulated interest, there can be legal interest pursuant to Article Article 2209. No? So, ang legal interest is stipulated in uh, Article 229 of the Civil Code. <clears throat> in other words, interest must be paid either as compensation for the use of money referred to in Article 1959 or imposed by law or courts as penalty or indemnity for damages. Under Articles 2209 and 2212 for breach of contractual obligations, unilateral impositions of interest do not suffice as proof and agreement to pay interest. Okay, so dapat na ang tulo again, the requisites or it should be in writing as yes, it should be stipulated, expressly stipulated by the contract. Number two, it should be in writing. And then number three, it should be lawful. Existence of stipulation to pay. If a particular rate of interest has been expressly stipulated by the parties, the interest at the legal rate of the interest shall be applied. No, So, if the exact rate of interest is not mentioned, the legal rate of 12% shall be payable. So, this is 12% per annum siguro. Kung, kung exact rate of interest kung wala mention, then 12% interest per annum shall apply. No? No increase of interest shall be due unless such increase had been expressly stipulated. Sales invoice slips issued by a store, its customers stating interest and attorney's fees in the usual printed forms as terms and conditions without the con- signature of the obliger do not constitute express stipulation required by Article 1956. Therefore, the obliger or anangutang is not liable for interest except only for legal interest of 6% under Article 2209. Okay, so there is 12%, there is 6% sa nasa Article 2209. Sa duha siguro ni, no, lahi ang for interest for 6%, lahi sa 2-2%. So, according to here, number 4, kana kuno nasa self-invoices niya, ang customer stating interest and attorney's fees, and the usual printed forms niya, walay signature sa obliger does not constitute express stipulation. No? So, just be careful with that, kana nasa receipts sales invoices nga papirmahan so papirmahan de king ano na interest it is only in the contracts of loan or with or without security that the interest may be stipulated and demanded so naagid siya sa kontrata no, dili sa receipt the receipt by the creditor of interest payment up to the certain date on the loan that has already been matured does not epso facto result in the new renewal or the extension of the maturity period of the loan up to the said date whether or not loan may be renewed does not solely depend on the debtor, but more so on the discretion of the creditor. So, dili raingon sa nangutang. Nasa sa conditions of creditor. Okay. So, giingon risk number 6 that the receipt of the creditor of the interest payment up to a certain date on a loan that already matured does not automatically result in the renewal of the extension of the maturity period of the loan of the said date. Whether or not the loan may be renewed does not solely depend on the debtor, but more so in the discretion of the creditor. So, dapat silang duha kay it's a consensual contract. Vendor and vendee are legal are legally free to stipulate the payment of either the cash price of the subdivision lot or its installment price. Should the vendee opt to purchase a subdivision lot via the installment payment system, he is in fact paying interest in the, in the cash price. 
whether the fact and rate of such interest payment are disclosed in the contract or not. So, Gihondari, vendor and vendee are legally free to stipulate the payment of either cash price of a subdivision lot or installment price. Should the vendee opt to purchase a subdivision lot via installment payment system, he is in effect paying interest on the cash price. interest. Whether the fact and rate of such interest payment are disclosed in the contract or not. The contract for the purchase and the sale of the piece of land on the installment plan is not only lawful, but not only ref- reflects a very widespread usage or custom in our present-day commercial life. Okay, so liability of interest in the absence of stipulation. Article 1956 is subject to two exceptions. Okay, so unsa din 1956? I think it's the one that stipulates... Ah, okay. That no interest shall be due unless it has been expressly stipulated into writing. So, it should be stipulated, uh, expressly stipulated. Number two, is it should be lawful. And then, na exceptions here. So, exemptions here. Okay, so what are the exemptions? Uh, subject to two exceptions. Number one, indemnity for damages. So, bayad ka. The debtor in delay is liable to pay legal interest of 6% or 12%. So, duha lagi. 6% or 12% as indemnity for damages even in the absence of stipulation for payment of interest. So, money ang exemption niya. Automatic, wala gina ka-stipulate na kay 6%, 12%. No? So, nakakita interest. Under Article 2209, the appropriate measure for damages in case of delay in discharging an obligation consisting of the payment of money is the payment of is the payment of penalty of interest rate agreed upon. In the absence of stipulation of particular rate of penalty interest, then the payment of additional interest at the rate equal to the regular monetary interest. If no regular interest had been agreed upon, the payment of legal interest. So, nadere. If wala regular interest nga nagrihan, the payment of the legal interest, which is 6% annually, or in the case of loans or forbearances of money, 12% per annum. Okay? So, muna siya ang nakabutang liha. No? 6% annually or in the case of loans or forbearances. So, kanin 12%? The 12% is only for loans or forbearances. Forbearances of money. 12% per annum as provided for in Central Bank Circular Number 416. Okay? The obligation consisting of the payment of a sum of money referred to Article 2209 is not confined to a loan. Okay? Again, the obligation consisting of a payment of sum of money referred to Article 2209 is not confined to a loan or forbearance of money. It has also been applied by the Supreme Court in cases involving default in the payment of price or consideration under contract of sale and action for damages for injury to person and loss of property and action of damages for unpaid insurance claims. Under the provision of Article 2213, interest cannot be recovered upon unliquidated claims or damages except when the payment can be established with reasonable certainty. It is axiomatic that the suit were for damages unliquidated and not known until definitely assessed and determined by the courts after proof interest at the rate of 6% per annum should be from the date of the judgment of the court is made, which time the qualification of damages may be deemed to be reasonably ascertained. 
Central Bank Circular Number 416, fixing the legal rate of interest at 12% per annum deals with okay. So 12% gani it deals with number one loans. Number two forbearances. Okay, of any money, goods, or credits. Okay, and then number three is judgments. Judgments involving loans or forbearances. So, apil sa mga judgment ha. In the absence of express agreement. Okay, if the obligation arises from other sources or by way of damages arising from injury to person or loss of property which does not involve a loan, What is applicable is the rate of 6% annually as provided in Article 2209 and not at the rate. So, kanisha, no? If the obligation arises from other sources like namaligya, no? So, kaning 6% is for number 1 as provided by the, that rate of 6-12% provided by... Okay. If the obligation arises from other sources such as sale... or by way of damages no? damages due to injury okay loss of property no uh, loss of property okay inya basta dili lang loan no what is applicable is the rate of 6% and what is provided by article 2209 so look at article 2209 for this okay of the civil code and not the rate of 12% per annum provided by Central Bank Circular Number 416. So, kanisang 12% is Central Bank Circular. Okay, take note of that. Central Bank Circular which is number 416. 416. This one, 6% is based on Article 2209. Okay, so let's just highlight it green because this is our legal basis. 2209 of the civil code. Alright. So when the judgment of court awarding a sum of money becomes final executory, the rate of legal interest regardless of whether the obligation involves a loan or a forbearance of money shall be 12% per annum for such final until satisfaction. The interim period being deemed be an equivalent for bear, forbearance of credit. Prediction Prudential or Guarantee Assurance Incorporated versus CA. Okay, so those are the um, jurisprudence. While the interest agreed upon forms part of the consideration of the contract itself, interest as indemnity for damages is payable only in the case of default or non-performance of the contract. As they are distinct claims, they may be demanded separately. Okay, so again, kaning E, while the interest agreed upon forms part of the consideration of the contract itself, interest as indemnity for damages is payable only in the case of default or non-performance of the contract. So, kanisha, kanang mga damages, kung dili lang sila mo follow sa koan agreement, as they are distinct claims, they may be demanded separately. In the absence of stipulation, the rate of interest where the obligation constitute loan of forbearance shall be 12% per annum to be completed from the date of default, So, on the date of default from judicial or extrajudicial demand as provided by Article 1169 of the Civil Code. Interest occurring from unpaid interest. Interest due shall earn interest from the time it is judi- judicially demanded, although the obligation may be silent upon this point. Both Article 2212 of the Civil Code and Section 
uh, 5. The usury law are applicable only when interest has been stipulated by the parties. Article 1212 contemplates the process of stipulated or conventional interest, which has accrued when demand was judicially made. In cases when where no interest had been stipulated by the parties, no accrued conventional interest could further earn interest upon judicial demand. Where the court's judgment did not provide for the payment of interest has already been final, no interest may be awarded. No, Ruiz Caneba versus Caneba. Uh, uh, Ruiz versus Caneba. No, under, for example, a written contract of loan. No, D. Oblige himself to pay to C. So, na written contract no, uh, of loan. And D. Oblige himself to pay to C the sum of 10,000 pesos with a rate of 18% interest per year. Which is which is lawful. In this case, all requirements entitled B to recover interest are present. No, if D incurs a delay, he is liable to pay interest agreed upon damages and not the use of the money. If nothing was mentioned about the payment of the interest, do no interest is due. If D incurs in delay, he is liable to pay the interest rate of 12% per annum. Suppose in the first example incurred in delay for after one year, the indemnity of damages shall also be the stipulated interest of 18%. Uh, the, uh, suppose in Kwan, ne, delay siya 18% because that's lawful. So that D shall be liable to pay a total of 3,600. No, 1,800 as compensatory interest for the first year and another 1,800 as indemnity for damages for another year delay. If the interest... Um, okay. If the interest was judicially demanded six months after the D incurred delay, the interest due is 1,800 plus 900 which is 2,700, shall earn interest of 12% from the time until payment is made. Note, by virtue of the Central Bank Circular 416, dated July 29, 1974, and number 905, dated uh, December 10, 1982, the legal rate is increased to 6% to 12% per annum. Okay. So, we will proceed to the illustrative cases. Okay. Another illustrative case. Okay, so we'll proceed to the illustrative case. Interest for 14 years was due on a principal obligation when foreclosure was filed. Facts. The remaining balance of D, so si D mo na utang, no? In indebtedness to C, is, ang iyang utang is 576,573 pesos and 90 cents. With an agreed interest of 6% per annum, no? 6% per annum, siya. So, for, from January 1, 1959, D defaulted. So, uh, so C filed a suit for foreclosure of the mortgage on December 12, 1962. How much interest is payable? No, how much interest? So, the interest of six percent per annum from January 1, 1959 to December 12, 19, 1962 is pay is one hundred thirty-six thousand four hundred eighty-two. And 13 cents. This is added to the principal amount, thus making it 713,056 and 3 cents, which shall earn legal interest of 6% per annum from December 12, 1962 
until fully paid. So such interest is not due by stipulation but by mandate of law. Okay, so mag-earn pag ginag-legal interest no, of 6% per annum from December 12, 1962. So, until fully paid. Okay. So, legal interest here is 6%. because it says here, sale damages due to injury money. Ah, si, si ba? 12% loans, forbearances, judgments involving loans or forbearances in the absence of, you know, so yan na, 12%. Pero ang sale, damages due to injury, loss of property is 6%. So muna, 6% ang damages through uh, through that particular loan. Okay, as per judgment, gibasi siya sa December 12, 1962, katong time man ang mortgage. Kira? Okay, in our own computation, if we will try to compute using a calculator, uh, we'll be able to see Okay, so we'll be able to see here what is 576,573 and then let's multiply that to uh, one point uh, because the agreed uh, the agreed interest is 6% per annum so let's try to multiply that to 1.06 okay so 1 times 576,000 okay so according here, the, the interest rate of 6% per annum from January 1 to December 12 is 136,482.13. So remember, this is 1956, 1957, uh, 1960, 1961, and 1962. This is, this is three years. No? So if we will minus this with... 576,573 we'll have the annual okay annual damage here or uh, interest is 34,594.38 let's try to multiply that with 3 times 3 is okay but uh, it's just stipulated here that it is 713,000 uh, it's one hundred thirty-six thousand four hundred eighty-two and thirteen cents. January to December, okay. So that should be added, no, seven hundred thirteen with the current legal interest of six percent per annum from December until June. Okay, let's proceed to liability of sure charges and penalties. Sure charges and penalties agreed to be paid by the debtor in case of default partake of the nature of liquidated damages. So many liquidated damages covered by Section 4, Chapter 3, Title 18 of the Civil Code. Article 2227, Tuluka 2, 7, thereof provides Article 22. 
Liquidated damages, whether intended as an indemnity or penalty, shall be equitably reduced if they are iniquitous and unconscionable. Okay, so for the sake of everyone, what do you mean by iniquitous? Okay, so atalangid siyang search, no? Iniquitous. Okay, iniquitous is a word, no? Which means here. It is a it is a word that means grossly unfair and morally wrong, no? Di makatarungan, di naka napakawalang katarungan, no? It's iniquitous. Okay, so that's what you mean by iniquitous. If uh, shall be equitably reduced if they are iniquitous. So if there is indemnity or penalty a very taas na kayo, it should be reduced and unconscionable. If in exercising this vested power to determine what is iniquitous and unconscionable, the court must consider the circumstances of each case. Again, he will consider, the court will consider the circumstances of each case in order for you to determine if such is iniquitous and unconscionable. It should be stressed that the court will not make any sweeping ruling that surcharges and penalties imposed by the lenders like banks non-payment of the loans extended by them are generally iniquitous or unconscionable. What may be iniquitous or unconscionable in one case may be totally unequitable in another. So, interest separate and distinct from surcharges and penalties. The issue or rationale for the payment of interest, often referred to as cost money, is separate and distinct from the surcharges and penalties. A penalty stipulation is not necessarily preclusive or of interest. If there is an agreement to that effect, the two being distinct concepts which may separately be demanded, what may justify a court in not allowing the creditor to impose full surcharges and penalties despite an express stipulation, therefore, is a, is a valid agreement, may not equally justify to non-payment or reduction of interest. The charging of interest for loans forms a very essential and fundamental element of the banking business, which may truly be considered to be the very core of its existence or being. It is inconceivable for a bank to grant loans for which it will not charge any interest at all. So, ikuan sana, tanahon sana siya. No? Kaya mo ba na ilahang core sa ilang business? Article 1957. Contracts and stipulations under any cloak or device whatever intended to circumvent the laws against usury shall be void. No? The borrower may recover in accordance with laws on usury. Usury's contracts declared void. From the contract, uh, form of contract not conclusive. The above provision is deemed necessary to defeat the cunning devices of usurers. The form of contract is not conclusive. Conclusive. Parole evidence is admissible to show that a written document, through a, though in a legal form, was in fact a cloak or device to cover usury. Uh, if from the construction of the whole transaction it becomes apparent that there exists a corrupt intention to violate the laws on usury. Case illustrating the cunning devices of usurers are discussed subsequently under the usury law. It is evident that the civil code yields to usury law when it comes to the question of how much of the loans and interest paid by the borrower may be recovered. 
contract void only as to interest involved. As an insurance contract should not be considered void in its entirety but only as to the interest involved. It is only the stipulation of the usurious interest which had been treated as void so that the loan becomes without stipulation to pay interest. In a simple loan with stipulation of usurious interest, the prestation of the debtor pay the principal debt which is the cost of the contract. No? So the nullity of the stipulation of the usurious interest does not affect the lender's right to receive back the principal amount of the loan. So okay na na siya. The right of the debtor with respect to the debtor, the amount paid as interest under a usurious agreement is recoverable to him, by him since the payment is deemed to have been made under restraint rather than voluntarily. So, right of the debtor, no? So, sa, sa nakautang, no? With respect to the debtor, the amount paid as interest under a usurious agreement is recoverable. So, pindi pa to niya makuha, no? Katong interest. Since the payment is deemed to have been made under restraint rather than voluntarily. Kinapugos naman siya. In case, however, the Supreme Court affirmed the judgment of the lower court ordering the debtor to pay the creditor the principal loan interest thereon at the legal rate of the filing of the complaint. Interest rates are no longer subject to any selling. Uh, the rate will depend on the agreement of the parties because um, of the uh, there was a change in the usury law. No? It was held in abeyance. Instances of instances of contracts disguised to cover usurious loans. Okay. So what are these instances? Right. Instances of contracts disguised to cover usurious. The following may be mentioned: credit of sale property at exorbitant price to loan applicant. When the credit sale of property is made to an applicant for a loan at an exorbitant price to be paid in a future day in order to be enabled to purchase it, to sell it immediately for cash and thus obtain the money of which he is in need, the purchaser's obligation is for a greater sum than in the fair value of the property sold in the lawful interest. It is, however, necessary to show actual intent to reserve resource interest under the guise of excess price. Uh, so, sobraan ang koan, no? exorbitant price to loan applicant. Okay? So, kalabian, maayo. Purchase of lender's property at exorbitant price to be taken from loan. When the lender corruptly requires the, the borrower as a condition of securing the loan, the purchase of lender's property at an exorbitant price to be taken out of the loan or payable to a sub- subsequent date and takes the borrower's obligation for the sum loan, for both loan and purchase price or as a condition of extending time which to pay a debt the purchase of the lender's property at an exorbitant price in such case the principal debt is the amount of loan plus the fair value of the property at the time to receive the buyer all excess of the sum is usury but if the evidence does not disclose a guilty intent such as the contract will be upheld although through the collateral sale is made at a higher a price higher than the market value of the property sold Price of sale with right to repurchase clearly inadequate. When a vendor sells a property at a clearly inadequate price, reserving an option to repurchase at a price greater than the original price with lawful interest, such contract is in effect be a mortgage to secure a usurious loan. Pretended lease by borrower at a usurious rental. Where the borrower wishes to borrow money to enable him to purchase a property and the lender furnishes the money taking title in himself and puts the borrower in possession under a pretended lease of usurious rental no that's still uh, under instances of contracts discover uh, disguise as covered usurious loans rent for free by a lender borrowers property in addition to interest and loans 
when the award the lender in addition to the interest and the sum loan is to have privilege in occupying rent free a certain property of the borrower where other circumstances are not present showing that the purchase and lease are in good faith and not colorable and transaction will of course be perfectly valid date for repayment of loan with interest antedates actual transaction when an obligation for repayment of money bearing interest from its date antedates the actual transaction and the receipt of the money loaned to hide a usurious contract where however the circumstances of the loan show good faith in the part of the contracting parties as where the delay on the receipt of money is unavoidably incident to the completion of the transaction or is duly merely for the failure of the borrower to make earlier demand for it the contract will not ordinarily be regarded as usurious even though the actual result may be to give to the lender something more than the lawful rate of interest if delay is not unreasonable okay another instance no is payment by borrower for lender services as additional compensation for loan. Now, apparently, a lawful loan is usurious when it's intended that the additional compensation for loan be disguised as ostensibly unrelated contract providing for payment by the borrower for the lender services which are of little value, which are not in fact to be rendered. So, Okay, Okay, let's proceed to Article 1958. In determination of the interest, it is payable in kind. Its value shall be appraised at the current price of the products or goods at the time and the place of payment. So this is a little bit different. No? In the determination of the interest, if it is payable in kind, so payable in kind, gani, its value shall be appraised at the current price of the products or goods at the time and place of payment. So what do you mean by payable in kind? So let's try to look at here let's define payable in kind payable in kind okay the meaning of payable in kind is the use of good or service or payment instead of cash so did it come mag pay based on cash but imong imong bayaran through goods or service no okay so examples of payable in kind are payment payable in kind run Non-cash remuneration is received by the employee for work performed like food, drink, clothing, footwear, free, subsidized. So, kung dili ganin mo cash then you have to pay based on what is the value of that payment during that time. That is what is provided by Article 158. This article has the same purpose, to make the usury harder to perpetrate. No, So, example, B borrowed 1,000 from L payable in Palay in one year which has been appraised at the current market price at the time the place of payment when the contract was entered into the price per cavern of Palay was 500 pesos on due date of the loan the price increased to 600 pesos in this case the value of the Palay will be appraised at 600 pesos per cavern so in article 1959 without prejudice to the provisions of article 2212 interest due and unpaid shall not earn interest again ha Without prejudice to the provisions of Article 2212, interest due and unpaid shall not earn interest. However, the contracting parties may by stipulation capitalize the interest due and unpaid, which as added principal shall earn interest. When an unpaid interest earns interest, as a general rule, accrued interest, interest due and unpaid shall not earn interest, except in two instances. 
So, kanang interest ni Modi na nangyong interesan Pero there are exceptions. Again, when judicially demanded as provided by Article 2212, no, kung ang, ang judge or ang court mo'y nag-demand, when there is an express stipulation made by the parties to wit that the interest due on and paid shall be added to the principal obligation and the resulting total amount shall earn interest. So, this practice is called compounding interest. and is allowed by the usury law if there is an express stipulation. The parties may stipulate in the imposition of both interest and penalty in a case of default the part of the borrower. Under Article 1959, the compounding or not only the monetary interest but also the penalty charge, also called penalty or compensatory interest, is allowed. Hence, the borrower may be held liable to pay the interest in the total amount of the principal, the monetary interest, and the penalty interest. In view of Article 1956, the stipulation as to compound interest must be in writing. So, Article 1960, the borrower pays interest where there has been no stipulation, therefore, uh, the provisions of the Code concerning solothio, indebity, or natural obligation shall be applied as the case may be. Okay, again, in Article 1960, kung ang borrower ko no, ni bayad o interest where there has been no stipulation therefore, the provisions of the Code concerning solothio indebity or natural obligation shall be applied as the case may be. Recovery of unstipulated interest. Kung kabayad siyang interest niya, wala di ay, so dapat iuli. No? The article simply means that if unstipulated interest is paid by mistake, no, the debtor may recover. This would be the case of solosio indebity or undue, undue payment. So, money meaning sa solosio indebity. Kinaganing, there is undue payment. But where the unstipulated interest or interest stipulated, there being a stipulation but it is not in writing, it is paid voluntarily. Because the debtor feels morally obliged to do so, there can be no recovery as the case of natural obligation. So, yung niya kay, I'm just enrichment man, undue payment. Article 1961, usurious contracts shall be governed by the usury law and other special law so far, uh, so far as they are not co- inconsistent with this code. Usurious con- transactions co- governed by special laws. The usury law and other special laws apply only so far as they are inconsistent with the civil code. However, according to Article 1175, usurious transactions shall be governed by special laws. So these two provisions shall have given rise to the question, in case of conflict, Which would prevail, the usury law or the civil code? Note, uh, note, usury law, usury is now legally non-existent. The interest legally chargeable depends upon the agreement between the lender and the lender. Okay, so again, in case of con- conflict, which would prevail, usury law or the civil code? Okay, so here, remove Okay, it's already removed the usury law selling and interest prices for secured or unsecured regardless. No. So, if we continue our reading here, Civil Code. Rendering it legally ineffective. So, this circular, however, is doubtful validity. According to the Supreme Court, the circular which took effect on January 1, 1983, did not repeal or in any amend the usury law but simply suspended the latter's effectivity. Okay, so the parties are now free to stipulate the interest to be paid on monetary obligations and absent any evidence of fraud, undue influence, or any vice of consent exercised by one party against the other, the interest rate agreed upon is binding upon them. But while the usury law selling interest rates were lifted by CB Circular 905, so mo ginisya di ay nakaingo, no? The pause. Okay. 
Okay, the POS POS Okay, CB Circular number 905 no, Nothing in the said circular grants lenders carte blanche no, Authority to raise interest rates to levels which will either enslave their borrowers or lead to hemorrhaging of their assets So when agreed, when the agreed rate is found to be inequitous and unconscionable the courts may reduce the same as for reason of equity demand Okay, it has been held the interest rate of 25-24% annum agreed upon the parties is not unconscionable or excessive. It also has been held. Can 24%? I think this is 10%, no? 10% because 10, I said 12%. So 24 divided by 12 is 2% per month. So on 24%, it's not excessive. Okay, ba? But an interest rate of 4% per month or 48 percent per annum is highly unconscionable and inordinate. So, these are the, koan, uh, the, the guidelines provided. So, 24% per annum, okay pa. Pero, ang 48% lang, it was declared already by the uh, by the by the Supreme Court as unconscionable in the case of Bolos Jr. versus Yasoma uh, decided in 2007. So, di lang tamula pa, so 48%. <laughs> okay. So that's uh, about simple loan. We'll proceed to the usury law now in the next part.